Hello, hello, and a very warm welcome to everyone wherever you're tuning in from around the world. Thank you for taking some time out and welcome to the debut fixture of the yellow card where my buddy Dipain and I will take you through what's hot and what's not in the English Premier League this season as well as talk a little bit about the upcoming Champions League fixtures and the transfer gossip over the various leagues around this world. Hi Dipain, how are you and how are you feeling going into the new season? What's up Chirag? Man? I was extremely excited. I was over the moon. I was hoping for Lionel Messi, the greatest of all time, to be at Manchester City and the EPL so that I can watch him week in and week out. Some of that excitement has died down, but there are still a lot of things to look forward to, especially when you've been at home for the last six months. Actually, it's very interesting that you say that. I was going to, according to me, I thought that would be a touchy topic for you considering your love for Barcelona. <laughs> and I was probably going to ease into asking you, uh, such sticky questions with respect to Messi and Barcelona. But since you brought it up, why don't we delve right into that subject and you tell me. Actually, it's actually pretty shocking for me to hear you say you were looking forward to him uh, playing for Manchester City, considering that your favourite team is Barcelona and Messi's been a Barcelona player all his life. So, how about we first get your thoughts on what I would define as an actual debacle at Barcelona Firstly, with the 8-2 defeat against Bayern and secondly, with the way they've treated the whole Messi saga. No need to mention the 8-2 defeat out here. I mean, the thing is the club has been like in tatters for or just been poorly run for the last 3-4 years maybe. And I think at the current moment for Messi and Barcelona to part ways would have been favourable for both. Of course, Barcelona would have liked some money for Messi leaving and wouldn't have wanted him to leave for free. But then eventually he's going to leave next year now because he's expressly mentioned multiple times over the years that he doesn't find this situation suitable any longer for him. And so if he leaves next year at the end of his contract, when his contract anyways expires, you anyways don't get any money for him. You have an unhappy player right now at Barcelona. and. Even though he's the, I mean, he's he is what he is. He's one of the greatest of all time, and still, an unhappy player is not going to be very productive, either in terms of the team or in terms of his goals and assists. I I actually think it's sad the way such a the the way the a club like Barcelona with such a huge stature and such a rich history has actually treated one of their best players and possibly the best player of all time world over uh, with the, the entire situation just makes me sad because first of all he's had uh, and I think everyone already acknowledges that he's had a clause in there for a couple of seasons where he can choose to leave freely at the end of every season. Now given that clause expires in June, given the current state of the world and the, and the current pandemic, I think it is fair to say that uh, uh, that the clause would expire at the end of the season and he should have been allowed to leave. Having Even if you don't take it into consideration, considering the fact that he spent more than 20 years, if I'm not mistaken, at Barcelona and he's given the club such loyal service, he really should have been treated with a lot more respect. And I think that 
everyone should have just turned around and said, look, yes, we don't want you to go. But since you want this, this is what you really want to do. We respect your wishes and we'll part ways happy because you're talking about someone that is probably going to be a, one of the great ambassadors of the game and a great ambassador for Barcelona themselves in the future. Yeah, I think that's why, that's why I said that, you know, a lot of Barca fans would feel uh, uh, that, you know, both Barcelona and Messi right now would be to go separate ways. In Barcelona can then start a rebuild of their team and build it around maybe someone else like a Griezmann or a Coutinho or maybe someone young they can get uh, if they get Mbappe or whoever and if they can manage that then they can start a new rebuild around a new player who can then lead the next 5, 7, 10 years of Barcelona. And for fans like us who primarily watch uh, EPL most of the time with the Champions League it's an opportunity to see Messi week in and week out at a new challenge, something that he has, even in, within him, he would want to prove to himself and to uh, others around the world who've been saying that he's been just a one-league, one-team player and now we've not seen him in different conditions. This was the chance for all of us to see him in a different condition, a different league and a different challenge for him. Agreed. And, and, and right before we go into uh, talking a lot more about the EPL, because that's what our podcast is going to be about as opposed to uh, the La Liga. But since you brought up the Barcelona rebuild and you also touched upon Coutinho, I have a couple of things to, to ask you. Uh, number one, uh, remember that Barcelona bought Coutinho for a lot of money from Liverpool and have not really used him uh, post post. Uh, you know, probably effectively at all. And they've loaned him out to Bayern. And one thing I want to point out in that semi-final was it was he came off the bench and it was Barcelona too and Coutinho too. So, and, and this is a guy that really hurt them. And and, and they don't want to have him in, in, in their side. So, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised that that is the case. Also, I want to know your thoughts on uh, the new manager, Koeman, and how you see that rebuild, whether they're going to be able to get the likes of Van Aldem and and Depay uh, into Barcelona and your thoughts on that because he seems to not really have a plan other than bring the Netherlands squad to Barcelona. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, I mean, it just looks like that. I mean, he spoke about uh, getting uh, the big, which obviously now he's gone to Man United. But he spoke about him and now it's just talk about Wijnaldum and uh, Depay. And more or less, it's a very uh, Netherlands-centric uh, approach, looks like that. But anyways, the thing is, the rebuild cannot happen uh, till March. March is when, at the earliest, when the elections happen at Barcelona, where either you have the Bar Bartomeu camp come in or the opposition camp come in, and whichever team, whichever group that comes in in that election will determine how the rebuild goes. So uh, I am not very hopeful of this season. I'm not very hopeful that anything concrete will start this season also. So it's just going to happen, have to happen post that election that, have, uh, that is scheduled to take place at the earliest in March. Fair, fair, fair enough. I think, I think what you said makes a lot of sense, Depain. Now let's, let's uh, delve in and dive right into probably what will be the uh, majority of the future of our podcast all about the English Premier League. What are your thoughts on the current uh, on, on the current season that's just ended 
and what are your thoughts on the new season that we can look forward to which starts off this saturday uh, obviously the season that ended uh, there was a break in between that kind of you know lost some of the charm especially for lifelong fans such as you for liverpool i'm sure the victory was still uh, worth it or covered up for everything that has happened so far in the past uh, lots of years <laughs> let's just say and uh, yeah so let's start with that how does it uh, do you think that this liverpool team can go on and defend a title well that's that's okay so the short version of my answer is going to be yes they can and and as a liverpool fan i certainly hope wish and believe that they do having said that you have to remember that at this level all professional footballers get very very little time off with the pandemic it's only got tougher and from a liverpool point of view uh, remember in the last two years they won the club world cup they won the champions league they won the premier league and from my, my the way i look at it is they've not really gone one strong season they've gone two continuous strong seasons because the season before this one where they actually were crowned champions with such a big uh, deficit in terms of with such a big margin they actually lost by only one point to manchester city so they and that was the season where they lifted the champions league as well and then to bum on after that and straight away go into the new premier league season build up such a big lead and and comprehensively win the Uh, win the league this season with i think it was 99 points it it's it's something of a miracle and something to be said about the hard work that klopp and all the boys have put in and therefore it's going to be interesting to see how they actually uh, move forward into the new season this saturday because they've gone at such a high pace this year and like i said for me it's probably the last two years that that it's going to be interesting they've had a relatively average pre-season i would think they lost the community shield on penalties but that was not a performance to you know um, uh, wave home about and rant about so it it's it it's it's really up in the air right now as a liverpool fan i'm going to say yes they can and especially under klopp the way they've transformed the team i 100% believe they can but obviously pep and uh, uh, frank are going to have a lot to say about that so why why haven't uh, liverpool had um, any reinforcements come in this season well my my the short answer They again don't need any? I, exactly i i will <laughs> go so I, i i i obviously don't like answering questions with short answers but the short answer <laughs> is we don't need any uh, and, and i'll tell you why klopp over the past 2 3 years has again managed to keep the core strength of the team together so when you talk about even our standard strike force i think for the last 3 seasons has also has been firmino salah and mane and that remains so if we manage to keep our main players which seems to be the case right now then i'm not saying we don't need any reinforcements but the sheer number of reinforcements required would probably be less because uh, you don't change a system that works and even last season where we we fell short by one point and then uh, in the summer everyone was like look clock's not really strengthened you saw that he kept the core of the team together and didn't actually need to strengthen which has been done in this case as well if we lose vinaldum i think we will need someone to come in over there although we still have a lot of young boys coming up and doing really well as well so uh, i don't think we need uh, many reinforcements but maybe someone Uh, to replace one Alderman, obviously there's talk of Thiago, 
but Thiago has also been linked with both Manchester United and, and Barcelona as well. You've spoken like a true Liverpool fan out here. Let's now talk about the challenge to Liverpool this season. So, there are two main contenders as I see it. One is Man City and one the very heavy or new recruits, uh, Chelsea. So, let's start talking about Chelsea first and their new signings they've made. In a space of very short time, they've made like six huge signings. Well, uh, well, that that that's that's Roman Abramovich for you. They've had one. Uh, they, they've not been allowed to sign uh, players. I think it was last last season because last of the transfer season. ban. They've taken advantage of probably the fact that 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 people uh, may have to let go players for slightly lesser prices given the pandemic. Although having said that, I think Timo Werner and uh, Timo Werner, Zayic, and uh, and Kai Havertz have both come at uh, have all three come in at very high prices. So clearly, uh, clearly, uh, Chelsea are willing to shell out the money for these people. They're very, very highly rated players. All three of them have seen what they can do, especially Timo Werner for RB Leipzig. He is dangerous. He's something that he's, he's a proper strike force in himself, a proper number nine, and he's going to add a lot more to Chelsea. Another. Two players that they've added, obviously, are in the heart of their defence. Ben Chilwell comes in and he is a, a youngster for the future for both Chelsea and England. A very, very exciting young player uh, at fullback. And one thing that was surprising is the addition of Thiago. Because, and the reason I say surprising is because traditionally, Chelsea does not like to... Uh, invest in players probably more than who are, who are aged more than 30, 32. And yes, they've offered him a one-year contract. I think the reason that they've done this is probably because he's a very, very experienced player, which you'll need to, which you'll need right now amongst the, 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 the new players that they brought in and the young energy that they have. And in terms of a risk factor, I don't think they've risked too much because I think they've got him in on a free transfer. And it's a one-year contract, so it's not some. While it's not something that we've seen Chelsea do in the past, I think it's a very calculated risk. Even if it doesn't pay uh, pay off from a perspective of um, the number of minutes that Thiago uh, Thiago Silva gets in a game, it'll definitely pay off in terms of having him on the on the ground during practice and in and as an influencer in the dressing room as well. So I think I think Chelsea will actually be. A, a, a good team and a team to contend with this season. Yeah, I mean, the Thiago, Thiago one does make sense if you look at it. I mean, it's not the most exciting or the most transformative signing. But it's something that, you know, really makes sense when you have such a young squad and so many new stars, per se, coming in all together. There needs to be some sort of uh, balancing figure who... You know, and he's done quite a bit with both PSG and Brazil and, you know, so people might actually, you know, look to him for guidance in that squad. The only two risk factors, obviously, with this team from, or something that can stop this team from making a true challenge to the league is that, one, how do these guys gel with each other? I mean, uh, Christian Pulisic was the star last season for uh, Chelsea. And when he's surrounded by three other guys who maybe say equally talented or equally taking the limelight, how does he? How do they all mix together or come together to actually become the kind of team we think they can become with this lineup? 
and obviously the second factor is the goalkeeper kepa what happens with kepa and lampard is it actually a lot of interesting observations you've got up there it's because chelsea have now got star power but that doesn't mean that they can play as a team uh, as a team from the word go so it's going to be up up to lampard to make sure that they actually gel and more than anything i think you need time to understand each other so it's going to be interesting to see how that happens and of course you touched upon one very very important point kepa and frank lampard uh rumor has it that he's still in the market for a goalkeeper um he's he's looking at a couple of other options kepa on the other hand we've heard reports saying that 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 he wants to stay at chelsea and fight for his place uh i i am not sure where we where i stand on kepa because i still have memories of him refusing to walk off the field uh during during uh, uh that one season where, where sari was the manager and for me ah, that's unacceptable <laughs> so for me i i still have not been able to get past that so it, it's 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 actually going to be very interesting it's going to be a wonderful uh, uh chelsea story uh, this season and to see where where and how frank lampard can you know for 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 want of a better word fix or uh, all these pieces of the puzzle and try and make them come together as a team it's it's going to be fairly interesting the pain so a lot of good points that you brought up uh, another thing i would like to ask you is now where are you on the uh, probably again despite liverpool winning i dare say that these guys could be looked upon as the favorites again uh where are you on manchester city pep and his squad what do you think uh well yeah so ob- obvious issues with manchester city is defense i mean anything midfield forward once the ball reaches i say uh, kevin de bruyne or uh, sterling there is uh, or mares there is no issue with that third or with that half of uh, pep guardiola's team but yeah obvious issues in defense and i don't see them being really addressed this season either they will always be a challenger with the kind of football they play and the kind of manager pep is kind of players they have the quality they have they will always be a threat to uh, i mean they will always be a contender for the league but the issues i think still remain i mean netanake is not going to solve the defensive woes and americ laport last year after he came back from injury also was very error prone although he the season before he had a very good season and he was looked at as the hope that could you know carry this defense but uh, after he came back from injury he was quite error prone and uh, almost every second match you saw them play you were worried that they would concede like a really silly stupid error ridden goal i'm sorry did i hear you just say that liverpool are going to win the league again because that's the only thing i heard that that's what you said <laughs> right they, they are favorites <laughs> they are I, i i mean i think they are favorites to win the league it it comes as a very uh, i mean it takes a lot away from me and you like the conversation of me telling you that liverpool lost again has kind of died down now and just not able to do that very often these days so it kind of makes me sad but they're playing fantastic football and i do enjoy them playing uh, now especially 
with the front three, the way they interact of, uh, and uh, I'm telling you, Trent Alexander-Arnold is slowly becoming one of my favorite players uh, to watch. Well, well, cheers to that. Cheers <laughs> to that, people. You bought it. My dear friend Dipin has himself declared Liverpool favourites. I couldn't really ask for more. I'm, I, I'm already um, smiling and, and I, I mean, if anything, the video is a joy right now because he's already declared that Liverpool have won the league next season as well. So, uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, another couple of things that we can talk about is literally literally what we could define as the best of the rest because we've, we've spoken about Liverpool, we've spoken about City and even Chelsea. But that would probably be what we think are the title contenders this season. In terms of best of the rest, I, I, I think it, it's interesting to see what, what you think of, of, of teams like Manchester United, Tottenham and uh, even Leicester and Arsenal, let's say. Wolves also haven't really had that those those kind of signings yet, but obviously uh, on, under under their manager currently they're very very strong. So where do you see these sides going from between third and seventh? Who do you back up to be in that top four five? Considering the fact that the top three places we would think would be exchanged by uh, Liverpool, City, and Chelsea, who would go in? Maybe maybe I'm going to say a three four and five just outside. The, the the champion league spots yeah obviously i mean man united did come fourth last year but i don't think they had improved over the previous year as much in fact they ended up with the same number of points so it's just like a lot of teams did fall back i mean tottenham leicester and arsenal did fall back from where they were in the previous season and earlier last season also but yeah man united will always be a top four contender it's just that I'm really not sure of uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's coaching abilities or managing abilities, as per as per, uh, however you call it. Although their uh, young guys, Marshall, Greenwood and Rashford, along with Bruno Fernandes, are very exciting to watch. And they really did pick up, at, especially in the final part of the season post-lockdown. They really were playing well. So, yeah, that is one thing to look forward to. Uh, Jose Mourinho cannot be ignored ever. Doesn't matter if you like him or you hate him. But he cannot be ignored when you're talking about uh, teams and coaches. Uh, <laughs> and you're previewing a season, especially uh, one of his early seasons, where he always tends to get results somehow. Not the most attractive-looking football, but the results do generally come. So, yeah, these two are definitely top four contenders for me. What about what about Leicester and Arsenal? Uh, do you see Wolves being able to challenge? Uh, I think Leicester. The issue is always that they they have a very thin squad, so they do have a lot of good players. But then, the season being as tight as it will be. I think they would suffer on that part with injuries and uh, you know players not being able to give that much or not being able to get that much rest because they won't be able to rotate many players. So it makes it more uh, difficult for Leicester and Arsenal. Similar, I don't think Arsenal currently have the squad to honestly make a challenge. After Barcelona, Arsenal is one of my favorite teams. 
and uh, it has been a very disappointing last few years completely opposite to what it has been for you <laughs> so but yeah i don't i i see positive signs i am hopeful more hopeful than i was at this time last year but uh, yeah honestly speaking i don't th- see them making the top 4 a good result would be a top 6 well actually i'll have to more or less agree with you i don't think ole is going to be too excited about what you had to say about his coaching abilities <laughs> but um, i do think that united are doing a lot better than they have done in the recent past they've got they've got martial playing rashford's looking good greenwood looks an exciting young player like you said so i i do agree with all your comments actually on on the united side um i i it's going to be interesting to see whether whether pogba signs a new contract or whether and how much he plays this season because no doubt he's a talent but i don't think he's really shown up for manchester united uh, all this while so he's not definitely played to his potential and he actually playing to his can, potential can we, can can you say that again pogba is a a good player or a very good player is that what you just said well i i don't believe it because i don't think he's really lived up to his potential ever since signing at united he was a good player for juventus you can see the way he passes the ball for france i don't think he's he's really shown up to the best of his ability at united for whatever that reason and, and it's going to be interesting because if he does show up uh, the pogba we all know can play you could actually have him like even though he's been here for the, for, for the last three four seasons you could actually view him as like a new signing because you would have bruno fernandes and pogba you you would have a wonderful front three and then i'd see you having issues with defense but that's about that's about it it, it, it means that uh slowly slowly united are solving their problems uh even though degia did not have a strong season last season i think he's still their number one and they've got dean henderson on a five year contract and they've not loaned him back out so it it could be i'm not going to say exciting times for united but definitely a chance for a rebuild and some good clean football which uh, and ba- back back for foggy style i guess what happens to jaden sancho well i don't think they have the money because he should have been in the squad a long time ago if they did this is i mean I, I, he should have if you were going to pay that kind of money for him you should have paid it up front you should have had him uh, get a full pre season in at united uh, and it probably still would have worked because greenwood is still very very young so i think that adds a lot to the united attack and a much needed uh, flair so uh, it it's sad that they've not been able to get the deal through i understand the pandemic and what you think maybe or what 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 edward would thinks maybe could be a good valuation for him given the circumstances but hey look at chelsea they splash the cash why not united if you want to actually be a genuine contender otherwise it's signed to me saying hey we're not going to contend for the for for the title this season again so i i i don't really see the point where, where do you see them finish this season you think they are definite for a top 4 or i'm not going to say definite i'm going to say they definitely look they look see the problem i have with definite for the top 4 is i've already figured out the top 3 in terms of liverpool city and chelsea so unless chelsea uh, surprise us by not gelling as a team i'm going to give third to chelsea and then united can come in the top 4 uh, 
primarily because I don't think people around them have strengthened their squads enough. So Leicester have not done anything, uh, you know, in uh, anything great in the transfer market. Mourinho's transfer market, it, it, transfer activity has been disappointing. I, I, I don't think he's got in players whether whether Tottenham simply can't afford the players that that he would want or. or that's not the Tottenham way and he's being forced to work around a particular structure. I don't know. Mourinho has been very quiet. He's gotten players like Hoiberg and Doherty. But it's, yeah. it's not, they're not big name players. And don't get me wrong, talented players for sure. But not necessarily big, big name players. So what I, I think, however, that Tottenham have a good chance to actually come in that four as well. Because again... At the moment, at least, they've not lost the core of their team. They have Kane, they have Son, uh, they have Dele Ali, uh, they have Lucas Moura. Uh, they've strengthened the... I mean, uh, Loris is the number one. They've got Gazaniga and they've got Joe Hart uh, now on a free transfer to keep the uh, keep keep uh, Loris on his toes. I, I think it, 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 they have a good team themselves. So, it's not like they definitely need a lot of strengthening from outside as long as they manage to keep their core. So, if he gets them playing a little bit better than they did last season, they could potentially give problems to United. And don't forget that Wolves have consistently consistently performed a whole lot better over the past, of, past couple of seasons and gotten a lot stronger. So, it's going to be, it, it's going to be interesting to say the least. Uh, I would pick a fourth between United and Tottenham. But that is not to say that... that uh, uh, Leicester and uh, Le whether Leicester, Arsenal or Wolves are completely out of it. Remember, I still love Brendan Rodgers. He's still, for me, a lot about that transformation in Li at Liverpool. If, if I, I still think if, if uh, you know, my, my captain Fantastic had not slipped, we would have won the title five or six years ago. And that is something that hurts today because Steven Gerrard does not have a Premier League title. And that, I mean, that hurts me so much. So, I'm sure it hurts him as well. <laughs> anyway, so let's uh, let's move on. Who else do you see that uh, is, you know, getting in new players, building a new team around one name that comes to mind is Ancelotti, who's, you know, bringing up a few sign signings at uh, Everton. Uh, he's got James Rodriguez, who was yeah, at one point considered to be a the next superstar kind of uh, fizzled out after he went to Bayern. And uh, there is Allen who's coming in. And uh, yeah, I think they have a couple of more signings. Uh, well, actually, they worked really hard getting Allen. Allen's come, come to Everton primarily because of Ancelotti. And I, I think that the same goes for James, oh, James Rodriguez. Because I think they ended up somewhere around 11th or 12th, 12th in the table, if I'm not wrong. But, but somewhere around that range. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ancelotti is known as the professor. So, uh, I think, uh, you know, literally, Alan has come back and said, okay, fine, I trust I, I trust my manager, I trust the professor. And, and why not? You know, he's really a magician. He's won probably every title that, that there is to win in, in pretty much all the leagues, all, all the famous leagues uh, in the world. So, why not? And I think Everton have done a, a, a good job in, in you know, Getting Ancelotti to Everton, that, that for me was very big itself. And the fact that the, they've, they've made some smart additions to the squad because uh, they've got an Allen who's going to probably, hopefully, 
uh, you know, come in and control and stabilize that midfield. And James Rodriguez as an attacking midfield option, they've also managed to get Dugri from Watford. So, so it, it, it's actually in the last week, they, he's made three big signings to stabilize the middle of the park. So, it's actually going to be very, very interesting how they line up. You'd expect now a lot more from Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison up front. Not to forget, as long as they manage to keep Sigurdsson, they've got players. It's not like they don't. So, it's, a, it's again, it's a matter of learning to follow the Ancelotti way and playing. So, they don't have a… I would say that they don't have a, a strong bench. But uh, he's slowly building a squad. So, you're, he, Everton are probably going to be some… As long as they manage to keep Ancelotti at the helmet, at, at, on, on the blue side or mercy side for the next two, three seasons, I think they'll slowly rebuild. But they need to keep their players and more importantly, they need to trust the new manager over here. So, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's fairly interesting. Um, one other team… And, and probably uh, the last team, maybe before we uh, wind up our, our, our first episode today. But uh, I'm, I'm probably going to talk about, uh, I, I want to know your thoughts on all the three teams that have come up, uh, which, which would be Fulham, uh, Leeds and uh, West Brom, I think. And, and uh, I, of course, want to know probably more what you have to say about Leeds. But what do you think about all these three teams coming up and their chances of surviving in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, let's start with West Brom. West Brom, I think, were away only for one season. Uh, so, they got relegated a couple of seasons back and then now they're back. But uh, Fulham, I think, seem to be a more uh, ex- uh, exciting team in terms of that they got. They have some players who have been in the Premier League in the past and, you know, have played well. And... Uh, uh, Mitrovic is one name that comes to mind immediately. And Leeds and Leeds with the manager Biesla is uh, are looking at looking very promising from I've not really seen them play, but uh, i've I've read a lot about their game and the coach uh, how, how the coach has really developed the squad there. So I mean, maybe you know more about uh, these three than me. Well, I actually agree with you in terms of I'm not sure West Brom have been one season or two seasons. Maybe they've been one. Sorry, I, I just yeah, I just can't I mean, remember. But uh, uh, West Brom could stay up from a perspective of uh, they have the experience in the Premier League in the recent past. So they generally have been a lot more consistent as opposed to I don't remember the last time Leeds were up and I don't and and while Fulham have been up, they've been up and down and uh, uh, definitely they have experience on their side. I would say. Uh, I, I think uh, with, with, with their manager, and if I'm not mistaken, it's still Slavin Village. Uh, they, they have a, a good experienced manager, some good footballers in their side. They could manage to uh, spring a surprise and, and stay up. Uh, I'm not looking at them going mid-table, but they could potentially stay up. Having said that, I think, yes, you're right. Fulham are a little more exciting. Uh, Mitrovic, I think, connected 26 times last season. Uh, and, and and this is just, uh, please don't hold me to these figures. It's probably just one here and there. I'm not checking stats when I say these things. It's just things that I've, I've probably uh, heard or learned over the course of time. So, I'm not, I don't have anything in front of me. But, um, in, so Mitrovic looks exciting. I think that uh, having said that, that doesn't make them a squad. So, it's going, to, it's going to be interesting to see how they fare 
in the Premier League, which is a completely different ball game to the Championship. Now, to the team that I'm probably the most excited about when it comes to the three that have come up, and that is Leeds because of Marco Bisla. He's one of the best managers in the game. It's wonderful to see what he's done with Leeds in such a short span of time. And uh, he actually, I believe, still uses a translator to get messages to his to his team. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works. I think I was reading somewhere that 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 Calvin Phillips said that look, uh, we're used to it now. So even if you think it's weird, it really works for us. And and I think that's important because if it works for them, then that that's something that needs to be seen. And another thing that I want to point out is Calvin Phillips is a guy from the Championship that got an England call up. So that so obviously Bisla has done something for him along with doing something for Leeds, because you're talking about a player that called himself a box-to-box -box player and has now a box-to-box -box midfielder and has now changed the way he plays because of the way his manager sees him play better in terms of a holding midfielder, in terms of just behind the front four, uh, sorry, just behind the, pardon me, just in front of the back four. Um, so it, he's he's adapted well, Calvin Phillips. and And it was it was refreshing to see him get a call up to that english squad so it's it's going to be really interesting uh, re, re, and just another reminder they've also added uh, I, I think rodrigo up front from valencia as a striker so it's going to get interesting they are still chasing a couple of uh, other well known names and it's going to be interesting to see whether they get those players uh, before the october 5th deadline i think it is so, uh, it, it, it's going to be exciting times this, this Premier League season, that's for sure. And I certainly can't wait till uh, Saturday where it all kicks off because I am very, very excited. And more so since you yourself are your own volition, have already declared Liverpool's champions this new season. Yeah. Well, only if it worked by my saying who's going to be champions, <laughs> I would make Arsenal champions a uh, lot more times than they have been. There's laughing in my head, Dipin. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, we're all very excited, especially since we have nowhere to go on the weekends anyways. So, we're going to watch all the matches, I think, this uh, this weekend. And then, uh, hopefully, we'll do this again and uh, review the whole uh, first uh, weekend of Premier League action. Sounds good, Dipin. Thank you for your time and thank you all for joining us on what was our debut fixture? Hope you liked it. Cheers. Thank you all. Goodbye. Cheers.